No matter what I do, I feel this emptiness and this anxiety. I see these constant images in my mind, these thoughts run through my mind, and I thought, no matter what I do, either way, I, I feel it. It comes back eventually. And at this point, I would surround myself with family and, 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 and that boy and, and other friends, and none of it would help. So in my mind, I thought, okay, there's only one way out of this, and that's to kill myself. When I was younger, I remember hearing of God, but when I heard of him, I always thought of him like as like another fairy tale, like the tooth fairy or, or Santa Claus, or he, he was never really taught to me like who he actually was. I just heard of him. So when I was younger, I was very confused. I would even sometimes pray to Santa Claus. I just, I didn't know. <laughs> that you could pray to Jesus, that you could have a relationship with him. But now I see that he was very present, even when I was little. Yeah. Did you have some Christian background or grew up with people around you that were Christian? My family identified as Catholic. None of us actually went to church, really, but it was just something that we were, uh, we called ourselves. Um, so I would hear, you know, God a little bit here and there, but I didn't really know what he had done for us on the cross. I didn't know of his love for me. I didn't know any of that. So it was a majority, uh, we could say, tradition. Yeah. Something that was just kind of passed down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cindy, now you have a, a really powerful testimony that I'm really excited for you to share. I would love for you to start with, with your life before Jesus, wherever you want to start. Yeah. What was your life before Jesus like? It really all began for me when... One summer, my parents decided to take me to Mexico. I remember going, and I was five years old, and I remember being so happy at the beginning of this trip. I remember how it looked like. We were in the city with my grandma. We would go to the store, and those early memories were so beautiful. Soon, though, it became, it became very dark for me. My family decided to go to the pueblo, which is like the countryside, where I had additional family at. And so I remember that once I got there, those happy memories ended. I remember one particular day I got in trouble for something and my dad wasn't there for me to run to. So I ran to one of my uncles, who I thought was my cousin because he was young like me. So I remember running to him and telling him, I'm, I'm, I got in trouble, you know, I got yelled at. He said, okay, don't worry, don't worry, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. And so he, his, his hand started to wander. And at five years old, I didn't understand what was happening, but I knew that I felt so uncomfortable and shame, shameful. I remember even telling him, stop, because someone's going to see us. He said, no, don't worry. It's, it's fine. It's fine. And I remember just leaving that room feeling so, so shameful, so, so scared and confused. Nonetheless, as a, as a little girl, you know, most kids, they want to they wanna please. They don't want to get in trouble. They want to do the right thing. And so I thought to myself, okay, I don't like this, but this, is, this must be something that's normal. I have to play along. And so I remember, you know, we would sit down at the dinner table and I would even tell him, like, come sit next to me, you know, like, and hug him. And it was this conflict inside of me because I felt this disgust. But at the same time, I felt like, no, I have to, I have to please. I have to do, I have to do this. I have to. And so later on, I realized that a lot of the people pleasing that I struggled with started from there. After that, I, I, I came back 
to the U.S. I remember that I started to feel so fearful out of nowhere. I just felt so anxious and I would wake up in the middle of the night just trembling and, and I felt like my room would tremble and I would have racing thoughts go through my mind. I was just so scared that something bad was going to happen. It also didn't help that around that time, my dad would have me watch scary movies with him. And I know for him, it was a, a way of trying to bond with me, but that created a lot of more fear in me and fueled that fear and anxiety that I had come back with from Mexico. So I, I, I lived in that torment as a little girl and it scared me because I would have thoughts of hurting myself, of hurting other people. I, I would see images in my mind of things that would scare me and I didn't tell anyone. I grew up and I was anxious a lot of the time, especially during the summers. I, I noticed that because I wasn't in school and because I wasn't doing much, I was mostly home and so I was filled with so much fear and anxiety for everything and anything. Once I got to middle school, I, I met someone who I thought could bring me some temporary happiness. And this person was very heavily involved with just drinking and smoking and skipping school. And so I started to do those things because I wanted to cover up that anxiety and fear that I was feeling. I wanted to feel happy. I was so desperate for happiness. And so I followed along. I did those things. But I got to a point where I realized that none of that was making me feel any better. It actually was making me feel worse. And so I remember there was a day, and by now I'm in high school, and I remember feeling no matter what I do, I feel this emptiness and this anxiety. I see these constant images in my mind, these thoughts run through my mind, and I thought no matter what I do, either way, I, I feel it. It comes back eventually. And at this point, I would surround myself with family and, 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 and that boy and, and other friends and none of it would help. So in my mind, I thought, okay, there's only one way out of this and that's to kill myself. And so I tried to commit suicide two times. <sighs> the first time I was at my aunt's house and I remember that we were actually there for um, a baby shower. And I was surrounded by my family and I thought, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I, I went into my aunt's cabinet and I got one of her pills and I just took them all. I remember going into the bathroom and just saying, God, I don't know if you're real, but I'm doing this. I'm doing this. But thankfully I was okay. Like I just got very dizzy and I threw up, but I was fine. A second time that I tried to do it was at school and this time, one of my teachers found out, and so I went to the hospital. I was at the, at the hospital for a week, and I was so broken. I feel like I was at the lowest point of my life, <sighs> especially because people knew what had happened. No one reached out to me, especially that boy I was with. So I thought, wow, I'm no, I'm, nobody cares for me. I'm so worthless. I'm going to try this again. And then I went home, and I remember sitting in my, in my room, and just thinking, okay, Lord, I don't know if you're real, but if you're real, I need you to show up for me. I need you to come and help me because I'm, if you don't, I'm, I'm going to do it again and, and, and I'm going to succeed. And I remember I just sat there and that was my, one of my first real raw prayers to God, I remember. 
And a few weeks after, I remember that, I, this was in high school, they had announcements and they were just inviting kids to go to a Bible study. And they said, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic, if you're Muslim, if you're Christian, just come out, right? Because when I was younger, we had identified ourselves as Catholics. So I was like, oh, I'm invited too. So I, I go there and I'm a little confused because everyone's sitting in a circle, they have Bibles out. And then I just, I sit down, they hand me a Bible and they're like, okay, turn to this. And I didn't know how to, I had never held a Bible before. I didn't know what it meant to turn to Matthew, whatever it is that they were on. And so I remember they helped me and they explained to me, oh, this is how you use the Bible. This is what it means. And, and so they started to preach Jesus to me. And I felt so much hope and so much hope because I saw people there that were sharing their testimonies, right? They, were, they, they, short, they shared how, how broken they were and how, you know, they were free now. And so, and so that gave me a lot of hope. And I thought, wow, like, I want that. Like, I, I want this Jesus that they're talking about. And so I continued to go. And I, I gave my life to Jesus. Mm. I, I started to experience this peace that I had never felt before in my life. This joy, this unspeakable joy. And I remember that they let, me, they let me keep that Bible and I would read it. And I felt so loved. I felt so, I felt seen. And I realized that I wasn't struggling with the anxiety. And so I thought, wow, like I'm, I'm free from this. Like this is amazing. However, six months after I got saved, the thoughts started to come back in slowly. And what were those thoughts specifically? They were like, you're not really saved. This isn't real. Anxiety's still here. Like what if you try to kill yourself again? And so they, they flooded my mind. And at that time, I was so young in the faith that, and I wasn't walking with anyone. Mm. So I didn't know what spiritual warfare was. I didn't know that what attacks looked like from the enemy. And so I was very confused. I was confused and I, and I was sad because I thought, okay, what did I do to deserve this, God? Like, what did I do something wrong? Did you leave me? Um, is, is this all just fake? Is it in my mind? I was confused for a long time. But then I realized that, okay, like if I continue to go to the ministry at my school, if I go to church, if I, you know, am busy with school, I noticed that I wasn't as anxious. So I thought, okay, so I have to kind of just keep busy. I started to accommodate the anxiety instead of actually allowing the, the Lord to deal with it. And I actually developed this mindset where, okay, God is real and he is big and he can handle everything in my life except this one thing. And so I, I lived with that mentality for a long time. Like I saw a breakthrough in different areas and, and, and crazy things, but I, I had put the Lord in a box where I, I always thought, okay, well, he just, he can't touch this area because he, he can't free me from it. And so I remember that when I got to college, that point of me, okay, being so busy and keeping myself busy, it was, it was actually not possible for a short period of time because um, my brother, my, my younger brother, who is Jose, he started soccer. And so I was in charge of staying home and taking care of, my, of the other little one, Santiago. I, I couldn't stall anymore. Like I, I couldn't accommodate the anxiety anymore. I, I had to come home right after school. And so I went through this season where it was so dark 
I was so scared. I was I was trembling. I was I was I I could barely eat. I I, I remember crying out to God and saying, God, I can't do this. I can't have a family. And I won't have a family, God. I won't get married. I won't have children because I don't want my husband to deal with this that I'm dealing with. I don't want my children to have it. I don't want this to be something where I'm scared to hurt myself or them. I don't, I never want to be in that position. So I'm not going to have a family. And I remember that this thought came in my mind and it was like, one day um, you're going to talk about this with your husband. And it's crazy because in the moment I dismissed it, but it was a thought that it kind of just dropped inside. So I, I know now it was the Lord. And then uh, a couple of years later, I, I meet Isaac, who is now my husband. And when we started dating one day after church, he actually pulled me to the side and he said, hey, I had a dream about you and I want to share it. I thought, okay, this is a little weird, but okay, fine. So we go somewhere um, and we sit down and he tells me what the dream was. And he said that in the dream, I was much older and that I had a son. And he said that I looked at my son with a lot of love and that I was a great mother. And when he told me that, I just began to, to cry because I hadn't told anyone besides the Lord about me not wanting to have kids because of anxiety, me not wanting to get married because of anxiety. I hadn't told anyone. And in that moment, the Lord reminded me of what he said to me, that one day I was gonna talk about this with my husband and that I was going to have a family. And so here I am <laughs> talking to him and he's telling me this. And, and in that moment, I knew, I knew that the Lord was with me. <laughs> Even through those horrible times of anxiety, he was with me. And he was declaring his truth over me. And he was reminding me of it through Isaac. And so I started to cry and cry. And he said, I'm so sorry. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to make you cry. And I said, no, you don't understand. This is God. And so it was crazy because the Lord was showing me how he was there in the middle of the anxiety. And he was also confirming the person that I was going to marry. And so this peace came over me, this joy, knowing that the Lord was so present. And so after I finished crying, <laughs> I, um, I told Isaac everything and he prayed with me and he declared truth over me and I felt so much joy. Three years later, we got engaged. Leading up to that, I was so happy. I thought, wow, Lord, like you confirmed this, like you're so present, like everything's great. But then a couple of months before the wedding, I started to get attacked again. Thoughts would fill my mind like, you can't do this. You don't want, you shouldn't get married. You're going to bring this into your, into your household. Your children are going to suffer because of you. And so I began to get tormented again in my mind. And it was one of the darkest times of my life because I couldn't sleep. I was up with my thoughts. I was in and out of the doctor's, uh, doctor's office and hospital because I, I was desperately looking for, for help. Um, something that would help me sleep, and I, I just couldn't sleep. Um, I was constantly trembling. I couldn't eat anything. And so it was really, it was really hard for me. But I remember one day I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, 
I don't understand. I'm about to get married. I should be happy. You know, I should be happy about planning for the wedding and being married and starting a family. And I remember that the Lord, I was sitting down and he showed me an image of a toolbox. And I thought, God, this is insane. What are you doing? I'm talking to you about this thing. And then you're showing me a toolbox. What does that mean? And I remember him just telling me, I'm going to give you the tools to be free from this forever. And you're going to help others be free. And I remember I was taken aback. I thought, God, how can you use me in this area? If this is the one thing that has choked me, this is the one thing that has been so hard for me. How can you use me in this area? But nevertheless, I remember I pulled out my phone and I wrote down what he shared with me. The Holy Spirit began to lead me to write down all the things he had declared over my life, the truth. And I began, began to meditate on these things. And the Lord began to free me in such an incredible way. He would give me tools on how to fight back and how to overcome and stay free. Um, one of the biggest things that he told me to do was, okay, when the thoughts come, I want you to rewrite it in my eyes. So when the what if thoughts come, like what if you, you're driving and you drive into this tree and you kill yourself, right? I want you to rewrite it with the power and authority that you have and say, okay, well, what if I get to my destination safely? I have the best time of my life and I, I lead others to encounter Jesus. Like what if, like, and he began to tell me these things and I thought, God, that's not going to work. <laughs> and I began to do them. And it was crazy because I was literally casting down imaginations and thoughts. And I knew that scripture to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and to bring every single thought captive to obey Jesus. I knew that. But he showed me how to do it. And then when the images would come, he'd say, okay, let's do the same thing. Instead of you hurting yourself, what if you see yourself praying, talking to someone, helping them through something? What if? And so I started to reimagine God's truth. And I didn't know that I, I was living out that scripture of casting down those thoughts and imaginations. That was just two of the many things that the Lord taught me, many of the tools that he gave me. But it was so powerful for me because I, I thought it was something I had to tolerate. I felt like those thoughts originated in me, which is one of the things that were most scary for me. But God taught me that those thoughts were actually flaming arrows that weren't my thoughts. They were the enemy. And so the Lord just began to reveal so much truth and tools and and I started to use them and I and I saw freedom and 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 I am free now. And it's incredible because I now I'm at a place where I'm teaching others how to be free um, here at uh, King of the Nations, which is our church. I help lead the youth, and some of our youth that have come have dealt with similar things. And now I can confidently tell them, like, this is what the Lord did in my life. This is what the Lord taught me, and this is what you can do. And I work with them. And it's so beautiful because I go back to that moment where I'm sitting down and he shows me that toolbox. And now, you know, I get to help others give them these tools. And it's so incredible because now I'm, I'm living in this freedom and it's so beautiful. And now I know without a doubt that the Lord is sovereign 
and that there's nothing, nothing he can't do. And I don't know, I no longer put him in this box where I feel like this is the one thing he can't handle. Now I know he can, with, without a doubt, that he can do anything and everything. He's so good and he's so faithful. How did God use your husband? You mentioned that one specific point where he was able to, to share a word of knowledge, but how was he able to use him to continue to help you in your relationship with God? I'm so grateful for my husband. He has been so kind. He has been so faithful to remind me of God's truth every time. Hugely apart because of his relationship with the Lord. He knows how real and how powerful and how faithful and loving he is. So every time that, even we were, when we were dating, every time that I was attacked or tempted just to go back to his mindset, he was always there just encouraging me, prophesying over me, and that helped me so much. And now we're married, and he continues to do that. That hasn't changed. So it really matters who you marry. <laughs> yeah. It matters a lot. Yeah. Now, Cindy, uh, talk to us about your, your uncle. I want you to clarify two things for me. The first one was you mentioned that he was around your age. Yeah. So how what was the gap between you and him? Well, he was much younger, so I didn't see him as an uncle. He was 12 at the time. Mm. I was five. You were five. So it was like a seven-year gap. So he yeah. was a kid as well. Yeah, so he was a kid. So in, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is my cousin. Yeah. Did you ever get the chance to speak to him about him or to have that conversation? I didn't, actually. I never got to speak to him about it. However, I remember there was a time where I just sat with the Lord and because I thought I had forgiven him because I had said it. But I, it was an event that I just didn't see myself inviting him to. Mm. And I, I realized that there was still like anger towards this person. And so I sat down and I thought, Lord, like I want to truly forgive him for what he did. I sat with the Lord and that was just the beginning of really just, he took me through the process of really just forgiving my uncle. In that moment, I felt this peace in my heart, and I knew that I had truly forgiven him. To this day, I don't hold any any resentment, any um, anger towards him. I, I actually, I love him. He has his own family, and I love them very much. Yeah, so you do have a relationship with him and his family. Yes. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Cindy, looking back at your life and even your relationship with God today, who is Jesus to you? He is my kindest friend. My Lord, he's my everything. He is always there. He never leaves me. He's so patient and kind to me. I love him. He's my best friend. Now, Cindy, we live in a, in a time now where anxiety is through the roof, and especially mm -hmm. coming after, you know, coming out of COVID. This is something that has been plaguing um, our communities. For people who are watching you right now, who are watching your testimony, and who may be experiencing this anxiety, what can you say to them? Yeah, I'd say that anxiety isn't forever. There is hope. And I know it doesn't feel like it right now, because even when while watching you might be trembling or unable to eat or sleep or whatever the case may be, but I want to tell you that there's hope, that Jesus is very much real, and he can set you free from this. You don't have to deal with this for the rest of your life. I'm here to tell you that I am free 
And if the Lord set me free, he'll do the same for you. So don't lose hope. Cry out to the Lord. Continue to seek him, and he'll show you. Any last words? Jesus is worth everything. He is worth our whole lives. He is the kindest, gentle, most perfect being. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to live life with you. And it's so worth it, guys. It's so worth it. It's not always perfect, but it's so worth it. And I want to encourage you to let him in. He loves you and he knows what to do with your heart because he created it.